Brilliant. So this morning, I'm going to continue to share. Ah, oh, no, before we do, um, men's advance. Have I got my magnificent men? Magnificent men in their flying machines. Have I got them? Let's have our magnificent men from the men's advance just to come up for us. Um, a fraction of a moment. We had 11 magnificent men. Josh? I reckon I've, I, I sat there, I thought, I bet I've got seven. The magnificent seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. How about that? So we have the magnificent seven with us out of the 11. Hang on, that makes me eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. The magnificent seven. Give it up for the magnificent seven. There we go. Trying to work out who's closest to Yul Brenner. But there we go. I, 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 let's just move on. Men's advance was, was superb, wasn't it? And, and Kerwin. He, he's just gone to get a KFC. Okay. Oh, he's gone to work. Okay. I thought he was bringing in KFC to the church. That was like, oh, how generous. So we... we Young Kerwin, not, not senior, but junior, was with us as well. And he was our youngest at uh, men's... No, second youngest, I think, at men's advance. So we, we had from the age of 16 to the age of 86. And within this group, we are pretty well represented of all ages. Um, we, got, we got slightly older, who still runs further than most people in this room, um, to us... Middle age. <laughs> You're still young, Phil and, and, and Josh. Um, so we, we're all age. Uh, and this is what I love about men's advance. It isn't just for the young, and it's not just for an older group. This is for everyone. If you've never been to a men's advance, um, it's just very, very special, isn't it? It's just an, an incredible... I'm, I'm going I'm to ask you one line, okay? Think about one line, all right? We, we've done some raucous worship for, for Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, how Phil managed to do today as well, I don't know. But we've just... Yeah, that's, that's what it's like. For, 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 for morning, afternoon and evening of each of those. Um, and it's just... Giving God all of it. And, um, you know, my voice is pretty rough. By the time I finish preaching, you watch. Uh, you'll be dragging it from the gravel of the earth. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's just been a magnificent time. The food, in my opinion, was pretty average. But there are a difference of opinion. You know, the first meal was great, and it just went downhill from there. Me and you agree, Phil. Yeah, praise the Lord. At least two agree concerning something. Um, but yeah, but let me start. Let me start in. Let's go in age. Phil. <laughs> Phil's seventy-nine. I'm just going. I won't give away everybody's age, but Phil's seventy-nine. He played football. Um, he got in the way of everyone that tried to get past him. He landed on the floor at least on three occasions. Please, you didn't lose your teeth. But we just had an amazing time, didn't we? Go for it, Phil. What are you going to say? Um, yeah, it's brilliant. I'd recommend every man to go. Just, um, life, uh, I suppose, pretty difficult for me for the last 18 months or so. Um, certainly not my faith, that's for sure. A bit. Um, on the first night... Uh, Pastor Steve spoke to me really. He chucked these tennis balls around and uh, he said, Leave them, don't touch them. He used it as an example. Um, I don't want them back. And um, he said, Yeah, we've all got problems and uh, we just need to 
reform, move on. That's, that's basically me. Brilliant. So, yeah. And it, and it was, you know, I, I was the one holding the tennis ball. He said, Jeff, don't drop the ball. But then he started throwing other balls at me. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> I, suspect, I suspect most of you would like to do that at some point. You know, just... <laughs> um, so one hit me on the head and another one hit me on the head. And it's like, thanks, thanks. You know, he's meant to be my mate. But the illustration was, every, all the time we're holding on, yeah. we're not getting what God wants to bring next. And we just, we hold on to stuff that we shouldn't. And we should allow God to drop that one and hold on to his next. I thought it was brilliant. Thanks, Phil. Brilliant. Let me just check it's on. Sorry. The sound man stood there, so you don't know. <laughs> 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 right, Josh. Don't worry. No, I'll stand close to you. That's right. <laughs> uh, Caroline said to me earlier on, oh, you better, better think of something to say.
Rick's not well. Rick, Rick was with us over the weekend as well, and, and it was just so good to have Rick. Um, you know, guys that have been through so much and yet still have an absolute desire to be there. It's just amazing. I, I in some senses, need to apologise to all of you and to all the guys. Because when I go, it's like you said, Tim, you see other guys from other churches. Those guys won't necessarily speak to their pastor about what goes in and what they're struggling with. And they speak to me and the other pastors. And I don't get to talk with these guys as much as I'd like to because I see these every week. But the other, the other guys have opportunity to take from me, like you then have opportunity to take from the other pastors. And it's just a wonderful opportunity um, to get away, to focus on God without all the other distractions in life and just spend time in the household of God. And, and the presence of God is just so real. Um, I was going to send a, a clip to Lyndon, wherever Lyndon is, to play this morning of us in worship, playing football and, and all the other things. It's just good. Now, one thing I'd ask, who's going to come with us next year? James. I'm not looking at anyone in particular. I'm not looking at anyone in particular. But you know what? I want... I want... Yeah, good man. I want as many guys to come with me, with us, and be a part of that journey. Because you will get so much from it. That's guaranteed. Because every one of these, Rick as well, Kerwin as well, we all got so much. And I, 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 next year, just, it just will keep building. So thank you, guys. Thank you for being a part of the church, my family, and the future. All right? Brilliant. No pressure to anybody. No pressure to come with me. Yeah, bring your own food. So, I, having said all of that, I've got to now... I've got to now preach fast, all right? So you're going to have to listen fast as I preach fast or as we'll have a little bit of a later afternoon because I really want to get this word in here. If you've been with us over the last two weeks, um, you would have known that I'm in a series of thought called Understanding the Principles of God's Fixed Laws. Now, it's a bit of a mouthful um, and I've been um, explaining that over the last couple of weeks or so Um, and, and specifically... This is the law of seed time and harvest. And God spoke it in the book of Genesis that um, every seed and every herb will produce after its own kind. Every fruit tree will, has, the fruit within, uh, has the seed within its fruit and will therefore replace and re- renew itself and will grow after its own kind. And then again, after the flood of uh, Noah's flood, um, and, and, and he gives a sacrifice to God. God says, "All while the earth remains, the law of seed, time and harvest, summer and winter, night and day will not cease and will continue as long as the earth remains. And this law is, is, it affects every part of your life. If you don't believe me, hold your breath and don't, and don't stop until I say, okay? Just hold your breath. I'm going to carry on preaching for the next hour. If there's anybody, if there's anybody left, all right, because every breath you take is a seed. 
You're inhaling oxygen that when then will go through the rest of your body and affect every single organ of your body and the blood within your body producing life and health to your body. It was seed that brought you into existence in the first place. Today's my dad's birthday. I went, I went and looked at his photograph this morning and said, Dad, thank you that your seed produced me. The harvest of life produced me. Seeds were sown, and here I am. I thank God for my dad and the life that he gave me. And my mum had a part in it as well, of course. (laughs) (laughs) But it's all about seed, time, and harvest. Every part of our life, every aspect of our life. And the first week I spoke about creation and how God created everything with the life within the seed and would produce after its own kind. From day one. Then um, last week I spoke about the, the ability as we sow seeds of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, as we sow the seeds of, of, of who Jesus is into the lives of others, There may be a seed that goes into the ground of their heart and immediately they get saved and you see the harvest. Or sometimes the seed goes into the ground, there is the seed, there is the time. And depending how long and where their heart is, the time may be a long time, but eventually harvest comes. Because there is a seed, time and harvest to everything under heaven. And all the time the earth remains, this principle is affecting everything that you do. For those who are intelligent in the room, you had to study in your books, you had to go to school, go to college, and then go to university and become exceptionally clever. But it didn't just happen, you worked at it, studied, and became a PhD or a doctorate or whatever it is that you've got in your life. You sowed into your education and you reaped the harvest of probably now a good wage. It's the principle of life. It happens in every aspect. If you're at school, college, university right now, if you want a good wage, study. You may think, oh, I hate study right now. <laughs> you may hate it right now, but you'll love it when you're earning you know, lots more than all those around you who, who are having to try and work hard in, in your company. It's really important. Everything that we do revolves around this one principle. So that was week one and week two. Today's week three. And week three, I just, you know, you may have walked into the wrong week. You may, you may think, well, if that's all churches, I always thought it was. I'm just going to prelude everything I'm saying. You've walked into a Sunday that really is very much for the heart of a believer, but it actually affects even the unbelievers and those who don't believe in God as well. So I think it's really an important Sunday. Whenever you sow seed, there is a time period before you see harvest. But you need to know harvest will come. You sow seeds of discouragement into your children and they will reap a heart of hardness towards you because of it. You sow the seeds of love and encouragement and they will be warm and and well-balanced in the journey of their life. 
Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. You sow kindness to people, guess what you'll get back? You receive the harvest of kindness. If you want friends, remember I did this illustration, if you want some friends, you must first sow friendship. He who wants friends must show himself friendly. That's what the word of God says. It, it, it goes across. If you want a good marriage, then be a good husband and love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. If you want, a good, if you want to be a good wife, then love your husbands as Christ loves the church and respect your husband in that same manner. It's, it's all, everything. You think about every aspect. Like I say, if you don't believe in the law of sowing and reaping, don't breathe until I stop preaching. And then I'll see whether you believe it or not. All right? It happens in every single area. God can do nothing about your harvest. That went, that went really quiet. God can do nothing about your harvest because he can't make you sow seed. He set the law in motion. He did everything about setting the law in motion. And the law of harvest works. But he can't do anything about your harvest because it's you that sows the seed. If you're not sowing seed, God's not going to come along and sow the seed. He, that's not his job. His job was the principle that will work every single time, and that is the law of seed time and harvest. We are seed sowers in every aspect of life. So he set the law. We determine what we sow and what we harvest. I think it's just incredible. If we really believe this, if, if, this was, if, if this was our mentality, it would affect everything that you do. You'd wake up in the morning. See, if you wake up in the morning and you're feeling really tired, but you went to bed at one, no wonder you're still tired at seven o'clock in the morning because you're not so in time to rest. Go to bed at 10, wake up at seven, and you've sown for a good rest. It's all there. Consider this, no harvest can come from an unplanted field. You know, I got, I got, I got you know, Rob, you, you, you know what it's like to be out in, in the fields and in farming. and you, you know what it's like. If you don't, and then, then and, um, Nettie, you, you've got an allotment. If you don't go to the allotment and put seed in the ground, you, you're not going to get the harvest. That applies to every area of our life. No harvest can come from a field that's been unplanted. In other words, you cannot reap a harvest where you've not sown seed. Like I've said before, you cannot, you cannot turn around to me and say, well, I don't think this is a friendly church. Did you show yourself friendly to others? Because I walk around the church and I think, oh, I've got such a bunch of, I've got a lovely church. I've got lovely people in the church. I love my church. I love the congregation. I know it's church, but, but I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm in charge in that sense. He's in charge of me, but I'm in charge of you. And, and I'm just so thankful that I've got people that love and pray for and care for and watch over and support and serve and give of their life away. Not just to me, but because it's God's house. It's such a joy. It's so good. But today, 
I want to talk about an aspect of generosity. And generosity is such a powerful thing because it encompasses several areas. It encompasses these acts of kindness. When you're a generous person, you do acts of kindness for others. You give financial generosity. And it also enables you to have a compassionate heart for those who don't have. Yeah, you know, I, I just I love the fact that Roy, where are you, Roy? There you are. I love the fact that Roy was with us at the men's advance. But he was here because of a generosity of a lady who he doesn't know who gave into his life. Whereas Roy wouldn't have been there. But you know what? Generosity is an amazing thing when we allow it to flow through our life. This is what the Greek means for generous. It means to be ready to impart. Or willingly sharing. Or one who gives more of something. Or someone who gives liberally with generosity. Now, you may be sitting here right now and you're thinking, this guy's after my money. No, no, I want you to hear a principle called sowing and reaping that works. Because if we catch this, it will change your life forever. If we just sit there with a mentality of, oh, they've got an offering coming up next week, week, or they're going to do an offering at the end of the service. If you're thinking that way, you'll be robbed of what God wants to do. Because I believe this is so important and, and so, so um, touches every aspect of a life. Generosity is the quality of kindness found in the heart towards others, towards the world around us, caring hands and giving them the support. But our generosity, generosity toward God. When you give in the offering, just let me use this as an example. Please don't ever give thinking you're giving it to me. Please don't give because you think you're giving it to family church. Whenever you give, give it unto the Lord, not to me. Because if you're giving it to me, I'm sorry, I can't make your harvest work. I, I, I I can pray and say, Lord, bless them. But I can't do anything for your harvest. When you give, give unto the Lord. That is what makes all the difference. Giving or being generous is a heart issue. All right? It's a heart issue. It's, it's not a bank balance issue. It's not a wallet issue. It's not what I got in my purse issue. Giving is a heart issue. And Jesus actually nailed this. He said this. About, uh, he says this, uh, where your treasure is, your heart will be there also. Giving is a heart issue. It may also be a mind issue. I don't know if I can. I'm, I'm, I, don't, I don't know if I should. I don't know if it, I, we sometimes have a mind issue regarding, but very often it's more a heart. And we've got to work on our heart and deal with the heart regarding giving. You know, if you've been in the church for any length of time, you will know that I very rarely ever do a sermon or a service on giving. But I saw this and I thought, no, this is this is too good to miss. When the Bible talks about generosity, it's not about equal giving. But it is about equal sacrifice. 
Or there may be, you know, maybe someone in the room and you've got such an executive position in what you do and you can give so much. But there may be someone in the room who's struggling to put food on their table. table. But they give so much in their little to the things of God. Jesus used this as an illustration when he was talking. In Luke, hopefully this one is on here, Luke 21, verse 1 to 4. This is such an incredible passage of scripture. And he, Jesus, looked up and he saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow putting in two mites. So he said, he said to his disciples and those that are around him, Truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than you all. I don't know if he meant he put in more than you all, as in each one of you when you put yours in, or whether she meant, he meant all of you together. She has put more than you all. I'm not quite sure which way around it is. For all of these out of their abundance have put in offerings for God. But she, out of her poverty, put in all the livelihood that she had. What an incredible passage. Number one, number one thought, I guess, here is this. Out, uh, for all of these out of their uh, abundance have put in offerings, not for the priest, not for the temple. They were putting in for God. And again, I want to underline that because it's so important. Yes, I do get a wage from the offerings. But you know what? Without your giving, I don't have a job. Without your giving, I don't have a house. Without your giving, I don't have petrol to put in the car. When you think it's the wage that I trust God brings in is given by those who are in this room. I honour those who, of you who give. And I appreciate it. Because I've still got a roof over my head after 17 years. Do you know what? I'm just going to interject here because this is, this is so important. Many years ago, I'm talking about 17, 18, 19. 19 years ago, I was a postie. A postman with one wage, with six children, living in a house I couldn't afford and doing two jobs to be able to try and keep the house and try and put food on the table. You've heard me say many times we were incredibly poor. We were so poor that people would just turn up and leave food or clothes or whatever else on our door, doorstep week after week after week after year after year. We were so poor. So I know what caring hands does and the joy that that brings because we and the children would sit around and open a bag and, oh, we've got coffee. I look back at those days and I think, We've got coffee. Because we didn't have the money to go and buy coffee. I know what poverty feels like. And I know how hard that is in a journey of one's life. And I remember going to a meeting, a church meeting. And, and it, was, it, was, it was new. It was all new to gospel, what was about to happen. And, and this evangelist was coming to the town. And, and um, the local churches, the Pentecostal churches, were going to financially support this man of God who was going to come into the town and, and do um, uh, these Hearts on Fire for Jesus meetings. And it's like, wow, yeah, we're all a part of this. All got really excited. And we went to this meeting. This is a bit of a long story, but journey with me. We went to this meeting and, and we enjoyed it. It was like, this is just absolutely brilliant. The word preach was great. The, 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 um, the worship was amazing. 
But before I heard the word preached and before I heard this amazing worship, I saw this arrogant, prideful individual. <laughs> There's a lot more words I could use. This arrogant, prideful individual. He walked in, and I'm telling you, the, 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 the mobile phone, mobile phones were brand new. We're talking 20, nearly 20 years or more ago, probably 25 years ago, when this actually happened. And he walked in with a telephone. Yeah, all right, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to do this. We're gonna... I'm thinking, you arrogant, prideful. I can't even afford to put coffee in my table. And you're walking around with this block and, and phone. I'm thinking, who do you think you are? Now, you've got to remember, I was journeying in my salvation. I, I was fairly new to all of this. So it's like I, I'm a bit rough around the edges. And I've later found out that the minister who was there was also in his own words, acknowledged that he was very prideful and very arrogant in his approach at the time. And there was a, during that week, there was an opportunity to give into a miracle offering. And it was like, we need a miracle. We, I, need, I need a breakthrough financially. And I, I was looking after, did I work out it was you, Jono? I was, I was looking after Jono because he was making a noise. Don't worry. Don't worry. Suffer the little children to come to me, Jesus said, and forbid them not. Don't worry. And I had Jonathan. I was just bouncing them around. Shut up, will you, please? <laughs> totally get that. I want to hear what's happening here, but shut up. So I'm bouncing Jonathan. Dong, 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 dong. <laughs> and Jane's in the meeting, and, and this opportunity to give happened. A miracle offering. And, and I'm thinking, Lord, what have I got? This is all I have. I'm thinking, Lord, I need a miracle. I so need a miracle. It's, it's, it's so real to me. I'm sorry. It's so real. And Jane was in the meeting and, and she, said, she said, Jesus, we need a miracle. We, we, we haven't got. And she opened up a purse and there was a bit of shopping money that we had for the rest of the month. And she gave it. I didn't know. I gave. She gave. Meeting ended, and um, we, we came back together, and, and, and she said, Jeff, I hope you don't mind, but I gave. I said, forgive me, I was journeying. I said, you silly woman. Well, no, it was a bit more blunt there. A stupid woman. Why, did you, why didn't we talk? Why didn't you say something? I wouldn't have given my money. <laughs> I said, Jane, it's all we've got. We haven't got any more money. We haven't, I can't make it happen. And we got, I, got, I got my heart right. Um, and I said, look, we just now need to believe for something to happen. Before the end of the week, we had four times as much money given than what we had when we gave that money. Now, that wasn't my harvest. That was God's blessing. <laughs> the harvest was approximately £400,000. How do you work that out? I've worked for Pastor Andy Elms for the last 17 years. <laughs> this arrogant, prideful individual, I'll never work for him. I'll never go near him. I don't like him. 
But God saw my heart. He worked on my heart. He worked on his heart. And our worlds collided. And for 17, 18 years, the harvest has come. That's a real story. You can't make that one up. But God. But God. In the midst of your journey. I've got to to preach this. Sorry. Ah. So, number one. Number one thought is this. Jesus observes our giving. In, for some, it's like, oh, he sees what I give. For others, it's like, oh, oh, he sees what I give. <laughs> he saw the wealthy giving what they had. But he also saw the woman with the two mites. I think that's just amazing. See, this goes against the grain of all Christianity. All these religious, all, all, the, all the religious, this goes against it. No, no, no. I'm going to do in private. No, I'm sorry, you can't. God sees. God knows what you give. He says, he saw the bagfuls that the wealthy were given. But he gave, he saw the two mites that all she had that this widow woman gave. Jesus observes the amount. It's like, Jesus is a bit personal. This is a bit too personal now. You know, this is my bank, my bank balance. This is my wallet. What, what, you, what do you think you're doing looking at what I'm giving? He looks at the amount. It says, out of their abundance they have given, but all the two mites she gave. My third one is, Jesus knows what it costs you to give. Jesus knows what it costs. Out of their abundance, they put bagfuls on the table. I'm giving bagfuls. And they thought they were great. But it was all she had. What a difference. What a, what a, I, I just, as, I, as I went through this and observed this, I thought, Jesus, I'm so thankful that even though when we were at our hardest up, we still tithed. Oh, we were 40 pounds a week down because we tithed. 40 pounds a month down. I can't remember now which way around it was. But we were 40 pounds a week or a month down every single week because we chose to put God first. You said, wouldn't it have been better to put food on your table? No, I knew God would provide that. But I was sown seed. I was sown seed. I didn't know where the seed and the harvest would come from. Uh, but God did it. Let me just carry on because there's a part that I want to get to and I don't want to miss it. The, Bible, the Bible's got many examples. I'm going to just name them quick and, and move on, all right? Examples of seed time and harvest. Genesis chapter 26, verse 12. Then Isaac sowed seed in the land. The Bible's all about seed time and harvest. Right? Isaac sowed seed in the land and received in the same year a hundred times as much as he planted. Seed time and harvest. And the Lord favored him with blessing. 1 Kings 17, verse 15. This is about the widow woman, another widow woman in the Bible. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. Feed me first. 
he said. But this is all I've got. I've got enough meal and I've got enough oil to feed me and my child and we're going to go and die. The man of God turns around and says, feed me first. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I wonder, if it, I wonder how many of us, if I turn around and said, who should I pick on? Oh, Phil, Phil, you're on the front row. <laughs> I've, already got it. I've already picked on Phil, give me all you've got. All in your bank. Everything that you have. Well, what would your thoughts be? Who do you think you are? <laughs> you might be. I think you'd probably think that. So would I. Who do you think you are? I'm about to go and bake this and die. He said, give to me first. And God will meet your need. Sow what you have, and I will make sure there is plenty. Let's finish reading this. So she went away and did as Elijah told us, so, that, so there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and for her family, for the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. See, this comes down to a heart issue. Do we believe the word? Do we believe what Jesus said? Do we believe the promises of God are yes and amen? Matthew 17, verse 27. Nevertheless, this is Jesus speaking. Nevertheless, lest we offend them, go to the sea, cast in a hook, and take the first fish that comes up. And when you have opened its mouth, you will find a piece of money. Take that and give it to them, the tax man, for me... And for you, even taxes can be paid as we trust God in the journey of our life. Three examples, three examples, different levels of need, different levels of seed, but they all, Isaac sowed natural seed into the ground. The widow woman sowed food seed into the man of God. Peter sowed practical fish food seed and caught a fish. The results were Isaac Isaac saw a hundredfold return in the time of famine. Elijah, the widow woman and her family, saw the supernatural provision of God right through the famine and beyond. And Peter had his taxes paid and Jesus' taxes paid in a moment. It is the principle of trust in God and sowing seeds harvest we don't sow those financial seeds because oh right here's a quick fix you know in pyramid selling no 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 it's not no it's not the way to do it's about the heart where your treasure is there your heart will be also do we trust god to provide our needs or do we have a trust issue that's the bottom line of this Sermon and thought and the stories that Jesus said. See, people with trust issues don't give, they don't tithe, and they're not generous. People who don't have trust issues do tithe, they do give, and they are generous. See, this is a really difficult, this is a very difficult subject to preach as your pastor. But I'd be so wrong if I didn't speak on this. 
Because what I'm doing is helping you understand the principles of God's word and then put them into practice in your life. And you'll see the harvest of God's giving come back to you. Given it will be given. Pressed down, shaken together, running over into your life. I don't want to save this for next week because I've got something else for next week. Bear with me a little longer. Yeah? Oh, there's, there's one, yeah. Where you've sown. <laughs> okay. Paul, Paul, in this next passage of Scripture, he's describing the life of a farmer. He's describing the way in which God works. This farmer has a storehouse of seed. We would say, I have a bank account. I have a savings account. Here, he had a storehouse of seed through which he could sow liberally. Paul is saying here that there are people who sow little when they could have sown much because their storehouse has much seed. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through. And Paul is speaking to the church at Corinth, who were quite carnal in their ways. And he says this, Here's my point. A stingy sower, or one who sows sparingly, will reap a meager or sparingly harvest. But the one who sows from a generous spirit will reap an abundant harvest. So let me pause. I'm so pleased God says this. Not me. Because could, you could turn around and say, well, Pastor, I think you're trying to twist my arm to give more. No, I'm trying to help you see a spiritual truth that will help set you free in liberality or liberal giving and generosity. In verse 7 it says, Let giving flow where from? Not your bank account, not your wallet, from your heart. Because it's a heart issue. Let giving flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty. Let it spring up freely from joy, the joy of giving. All because God loves hilarious generosity. That means when the offering bucket goes round, we're laughing. Maybe not out loud, but in your heart, you're laughing because you know the seed that's cast on the sea will return coming back to you. Yes, God is more ready to overwhelm you. Did you hear that? Yes, God is more than ready to overwhelm you with every form of grace. So that you have more than enough of everything, every moment, and in every way. It's amazing. He will make you overflow with abundance in every good thing you do. Just as the scripture says about the one who trusts him. There it is again. It's about trusting him. Because you have sown extravagantly... And given to the poor, his kindness and generous deeds will never be forgotten. This generous God, guess what? Those who are generous have a heart like after God. You are more like God when you give than at any other time in your life. Isn't that great? You are more like God when you give than at any other moment in your life. This generous God, 
who supplies abundant seed for the farmer, which becomes bread for our meals. And you could say, oh, you know, he's talking about farming. He's not talking about money. No, I'm sorry. He's not. This generous God who supplies abundant seed to the farmer, which becomes bread for our meals, is even more extravagant towards you. First, he supplies every need plus more. Then he multiplies the seed as you sow it, so that the harvest of your generosity will grow. This is just... If you've never read this passage in the Bible, you should be on your chair thinking, this is amazing. In verse 11, you will be abundantly enriched in every way as you give generously on every occasion. Every occasion on a Sunday when we have an offering. Every occasion when you see a need. Every occasion when you come across a homeless person. Every time that we do a vision offering each year when we have a vision offering. Think about it. We're going to do one every year until Jesus comes back. Think about it at the beginning of the year and start sowing into it. Putting a little bit of money by and saying, I'm going to invest into the kingdom of God. Be blessed in every occasion. What is that? So that you will give generously on every occasion. That is a lifestyle of generosity. Are we lifestyle givers into the kingdom of God? Are we lifestyle sowers? For when we take your gifts to those in need or to the the kingdom of God to do what God wants to do, it causes many to give thanks to God. Will you trust God with your giving? Will you trust God with your tithe?